This is the WMSC interview of Zamboni frontman Chris Butera by Nick Perkel. You released your first demo, Blood on the Ice, in January, and in April came out with the Mother of Resistance EP. What was the transition like going from the demo of Blood on the Ice to Mother of Resistance? There was a different everything, because when we did the Blood on the Ice demo, it was just some stuff that we had, and we, did, we didn't have money. We still don't have money. So we just did it through Audacity. It was just something to put out because I was going to school. I was going back to school uh, where I am now, upstate in Oswego. Robin and Nathan were still in New Jersey. So it was just something to put together right before I was leaving. So we did that here. We did that at home. And then when we did Mother of the Resistance, half of it was recorded through Audacity, which was Rob and uh, which was the guitars and the drums. Up here, my friend Kyle recorded and mixed the rest of it. He did the ba- he recorded the bass and he recorded the vocals and then he just mixed everything because he's a recording minor up here. A completely different process, and it was just a matter of doing thing. It was just a matter of figuring out how to do something when you can't have a band practice at all. So it's it's kind of something that we're toying around with. That's still evolving. That's kind of how we did the last one, and uh, that's how we did Blood on the Ice. I noticed your song Mother of Resistance, or or Mother of the Resistance from the Mother of Resistance EP, clocks in around seven minutes. Well, like the longest track on the Blood on the Ice demo, World War Z, that's only three and a half minutes. What was it like writing uh, Mother as well as World War Z? Well, I wrote World War Z, and Rob wrote Mother of the Resistance, so however long, like, we don't have any time restraints on our songs. So however long they come out to is however long they come out to. If there's a five-second song that's a blast beat, then like uh, like a Napalm Death, you suffer song, then that's just what the song is. And if there's a 20-minute epic song, then that's what that is. We have no time restraints on anything. So uh, World War Z just happened to be three minutes, and Mother Resistance just happened to be seven. It was really just—it was really just coincidence, and we didn't really chop it up or anything because we kind of just liked the way that it went. Where did the idea for um, this song come from for uh, Mother Resistance? And do you expect to write um, any more like longer songs such as Mother? There probably will be some other songs. There probably will be some long songs at some point. There probably will be some more longer songs. I don't know when, but I'm gonna assume. Uh, we'll just end up writing them eventually because every band just happens to. And some of them plan it, but we really don't, but I'm sure it'll happen again. Rob wrote it. Rob wrote the entire song. He um, he was watching Terminator. Like, he was like flipping through the channels or something like that, and he just happened to stumble upon, the, upon Terminator and Terminator 2 Marathon. He looked at it, and he was like, you know, and like he was just looking at like other thrash songs and things like that, and he was like, you know, a lot of bands have songs about RoboCop, but not too many have anything about Terminator. So he just went and wrote a song about the Terminator, and he showed it to me, and I liked it. I see. Now, you have a crossover sound with hints of old Megadeth and DRI. What are some of your favorite metal albums that have influenced the sound of your current songs? Definitely Carnivore's Retaliation. Carnivore's Retaliation, some Slayer's Hella Waits. One that we were listening to a lot was the third Lich King album. Uh, some At War I listened to a lot. 
Um, Rob, Rob is really more of the DRI stuff. I put in some Black Flag in there. Black Flag's depression is something that went in. Mis- a lot of misfits went into that stuff. So really, it's really all over the place. There's just a lot of stuff that went into that. And the Megadeth Crunch you can get from Rob's Tone and a lot of Nuclear Assault also. It was really mostly a combination of the bands that I was listening to and the bands that I was going to see at the time, like uh, like Overkill and you know like Gamma Bomb, Evil, Bonded by Blood, stuff like that. Some, uh, of course, a bunch of Exodus. It was really just a big combination of everything that we were listening to and that we were going to. When will the next uh, Zamboni release come out, and what are you planning that to be, like EP or uh, full length? Well. The next thing that's coming out is actually uh, on Halloween, where we um, we managed to take some live. We managed to take some live stuff from our last show at the Meat Locker, and an interview with Paul Dean. Paul Dean is kind of responsible for recording the whole thing, and my friend Kyle once again just like kind of tampered with it and did whatever he could to make it sound a little bit better. So we're releasing a live album that's going to be pro- that's going to be free again on the Bandcamp network, and that's probably that's what's going to be to commemorate the one year of the band. It should be fun. The other stuff that we're planning on doing is going to be another EP, and that's going to be well. I want to say around the holidays it'll be done, but I'm not really too sure. So it it, it really will depend. Well, I have, look, the, the next release of newer material is going to it should be released around the holidays but we haven't gotten um, we haven't really gotten to recording it because Rob and Nathan have been pretty busy so when they get their stuff done they're going to send it to me and I'll get that done over here and hopefully it'll be out by Christmas but on Halloween they'll get the, everyone can get a live album if they feel like spending if they feel like wasting their time and downloading it on bandcamp.com you guys are on break right now while some of your members are away at uh, different colleges. What kind of special plans are you cooking up for your December shows? December shows, the, we, what we're, try, we're working with probably going to be another couple of Meat Locker shows, but we're looking at um, a show for or after Christmas at the Meat Locker, and it's going to be it's gonna probably be a birthday show for uh, our friend um, Nick Manicos, who we like to call him Hill House. So mm-hmm. we're planning something like that, and then we're going to be and then we're trying to put together a show in January uh, with our friends Executioner from Kentucky to see if they can come up here. So if that happens, then that then that's what that is. And if there's any other shows, then. We'll see what comes up. We're going to have like a month off during the winter break, so we're going to try to squeeze in at least two shows. Since you mentioned the Midwest, would you ever be able to take Zamboni out to Kentucky or maybe Chicago or Indiana? I would love to take Zamboni anywhere. We um we tried to do it over the past summer, but the touring plans were, uh, kind of fell through because our drummer Nathan just he can't really tour. He can really just do local shows every now and then. So we're kind of stuck to being weekend warriors until we can get a touring drummer. We tried, and I would love to do that, but I can't until I can get a band that can fully dedicate itself to touring. 
wouldn't have to be a very long one, just really a couple of weeks at a time here and there, kind of what Lich King did. Just something simple, a week to two weeks. But I would love to take it anywhere I can. Now, I believe right around this time last year, Zamboni was formed. What are some important goals you have this time next year? This time next year, a goal that I have really is to actually do a small tour like I wanted to. And to get more people to notice it and if they can if if possible to enjoy it and if not then well then we've kind of done our job <laughs> okay now looking at song titles like nuclear hatred world war z and shotgun blast i imagine you guys are into horror movies and also i guess futuristic stuff like blade runner what are some of your favorite horror movies to watch my favorite movie of all time is Evil Dead 2, but uh, I love that trilogy. I love Hellraiser. I love reading. I love reading Clive Barker and H.P. Lovecraft because they're they're geniuses. They Clive Barker really knows how to get people, and H.P. Lovecraft was way before his time. He was he was amazing. Poe is also fantastic too, but my favorite is probably Clive Barker. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Midnight Meat Train a lot. That was a really good movie. Uh, Reanimator is another one of my favorites. All the old ones with um, Boris Karloff and uh, uh, Lon Chaney are all fantastic. Nightmare on Elm Street's another one that's just fun to watch. Dead Alive is another favorite. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. He's looked at Lawnmower scene. It's just so over the top and so amazing and hilarious. I was actually watching Dolls last night. Which was uh, which is a pretty creepy horror movie, but I like watching bad ones too, like Troll Two. I'm actually gonna watch that one tonight. I am, I enjoy all kinds of horror movies. The bloodier, the better. How about any of the old Full Moon movies? It had like the Puppet Master stuff. I think Dolls. That was another. Oh, oh full moon yes, movie. yeah, yeah. Demonic Toys for the yeah. one. Yeah, Puppet Masters is actually a funny story behind that one. I uh, I saw that movie for the first time as a child because I was flipping through channels, and it terrified me. And between that and a Pinocchio movie that wasn't really a Disney, it wasn't Disney licensed, that my parents got me for an Easter thinking that it was, terrified me. And for a while, I had a fear of marionettes. So as I got older, I like as I got older, I started watching the Puppet Master movies again, and that kind of you get over it because of how silly they were. But another movie like that I liked was Ghoulies, and I forgot to mention before, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space is another favorite of mine, and I would actually like to see a remake of that one. Now, if you could be a villain in a horror movie, what would you choose? Oh, I'd be that's easy. I'd be Herbert West because he's not quite a villain and he's not quite a hero. He's just a badass. But as far as a villain, villain, I would probably be um, I would probably be Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies. He's just such a badass. Or the Tall Man from Phantasm. Important question: favorite Hellraiser movie? My favorite. I'm gonna get a lot of slack for this, but I like the second one. I like the second one and the third one. I, I like the first three. I think are the best ones. I I love the first one a lot. I've read the novel and it's fantastic it's great but my favorite hellraiser is probably the second one just because they actually go into hell and they actually go into his dimension and you find a little bit more about the cenobites you find out a little bit more about the cenobites and the third one is just interesting on its own because 
he goes again into the real world with Pinhead separated from himself. So he's more portrayed as a demon because his human side is gone. And I just kind of like how they played around with those two elements in those two movies. I like how they expanded on it. And that's probably why the second and the third one are my favorite ones. Also, because the third one's incredibly violent and Armored Saint is in it for no reason. You've worked before as an intern at Eric Records. What are some interesting things you've learned about the music biz? And also, what are some things you've been able to use uh, to assist your band? Something I've used to assist my band was to put it out on everything and find a way to promote it. So I can thank Thrash Unlimited for hating the demo. Because if they didn't hate that, I wouldn't have anything to go on to promote it. So I could just say, yeah, we're a terrible band. Do I think that? Well, half and half, <laughs> to be honest. We're not that good at we're not that great at our instruments, but but if people seem to like it, people seem to like it, and that's what it was all about. But what I that that internship changed my entire belief in the music industry and my entire my entire thought process. Before that, I thought that you know if you had to, you just had to keep playing shows and you had to just like make some contacts with them and tell them, oh yeah, come see our band and play at this show, and then that was it. But uh, there's so much more that goes into it. You know, I realized how few money bands actually have. And I also learned that people who blame the industry really can't blame the industry. They have to blame everyone because it's all part of one it's all part of one big Jenga tower, so to speak. And if one piece, fall, one piece falls off, then they all fall off. So I learned a lot of good things. I learned... I found out where a lot of places are to get things done. I made a lot of contacts, and I've learned how to make more contacts. So that thing just kind of changed my outlook on everything for the better, and I absolutely loved it. Now, also, during your time as an intern at Eric, what were some things you learned that were really surprising to you? Things that surprised me was, well, for starters, how broke everyone is. For starters, it was how broke everyone is. Another thing was being um, being a resident of New York City and actually living in the city in Brooklyn. I learned how much more of an advantage I and and every band in that in the New York New Jersey area has that they just don't see because they just don't know where all these things are. Like I learned where all these companies are. I learned where all these promotion agencies are and all these things. And I learned where a lot of like just by delivering music videos to. Uh, to music choice and fuse and things like that. Just the, like the names that I would pull out. Like now I know who to go to with these things if I want to. And that was just something that really got to me. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Or um, when I would do, like, I, I write for, a, for an entertainment website and a metal blog. So another thing was the perks of just going to a show for free and being on the guest list and hanging out with these bands and just meeting them and hanging out with them. You know, it's just, it was just a surreal experience, and I'm just very grateful to have had it, and I can't wait to go back and, and turn again if it's possible. Now, Chris, please tell me your most wild adventure of getting to a concert. My most wild adventure was probably, it was probably, well, you mean like going to one that I was playing or going to one that I was seeing? Um, you were seeing. One that I was seeing might have well, it was probably the Big Four one because I was going uh, I was going from school because 
that's just what happened. And the bus schedule, like whoever the idiot is that designed the bus schedule that decided to change it, is is completely retarded because. I got here, uh, I got to the bus thing, uh, I got to the bus stop at 11.30, and I said, okay, the bus should be coming now, and I'm sitting in there, and it's 12.30, and sure enough, there's no bus, so I'm like, all right, what the hell happened? So, uh, one of the town buses comes, and I, you know, I go up to, I go up to there, and I say, can I have a Syracuse bus schedule? I look at it, and they changed the bus schedule to... 10.30 or whatever it was, and I, or 10 or 11, and I was super pissed because the next bus wasn't coming until 2.20, and that was, and I had to be on the bus to New York City at 2.40, so there was just no chance in hell that that was happening, so I had to call, so I called my mom, and I was like, listen, I'm completely broke, and I had to call a cab because the guy who did the, the guy who scheduled the bus company is a jackass. And he completely ruined everything. I had to get money wired from home, and then I had to call a cab. And while I was on the way, my, the cab driver looked at my thrash fest, and he said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, what are you headed? Why well, you got to go to Syracuse?" I said, "I got to go to the city because I got to go see Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer, and Metallica tomorrow." And he's like, "Oh, I went to high school with Joey Belladonna, which he did." For those of you guys who don't know, Joey Belladonna grew up around the Seneca area of upstate New York, and he lives in us. He lives in Syracuse, so a lot of people know him. And he's a he's a really good guy. I think the guy. I think the bus driver's name was Jim, and he was just telling me a lot of good stories about Joey Belladonna from like high school, and it like it was just a lot of fun that bus ride, but. It, Cost me seventy dollars too. It cost me seventy dollars, so that part wasn't fun. But when I eventually got there, I got on the bus and I like took my ride home with somebody else who was going at the show. And then I uh, then I went home, had some pasta and muscles that Grandma made me, and um, then I went to the show the next morning. I met up with with uh, Void from Terrorist and a couple of his friends and his sister, and uh, we just kind of went to the show together. We had a couple of drinks, and then we had a good time. Personally, do you think being in a metal band today is easier or mid- or more difficult than it was for the 80s metal bands? It depends on the style that you're playing. I mean, certainly, it's, I'd have to say it's a bit of both. It, like, it's easier because you don't have to be a covers band anymore to get a show. So much promotion that you could do through the Internet that you don't need labels as much. And you don't need like you don't need a manager, you don't need a PR, you don't need all these extra little things. You don't need to go to a recording studio if your friends a recording engineer or something like that, or to go to school for it, and you don't have to pay too much. So certain things are easier, but certain things are harder. Like the genre you're playing, it's it depends on where you live because unlike the '80s, there's no scenes right now. And for the most part, in a lot of places, there's only a handful of bands, and they all play together. And you know, not every band is very supportive anymore of their of the other band, so it's become a bit more of a competition for no reason. And you know, there's always going to be egos between other bands. It's really just it's really just a matter of the scene wars now, because you got the you got your deathcore kids, you got your death metal kids, you got your thrash kids, you got your punk kids, you got your new wave, what stuff? There's just so many genres now that 
it that, that part's a little harder to try to find bands to play with and try to find a, your audience. So that part's harder, and but it's also easier because of the self-promotion that you can do and how you can save money on certain things. So it's a bit of both. Okay, this has been the WMSC interview of Zamboni frontman Chris Butera by Nick Perkel.